even though the 33 is still in theaters, it is based on historical events. So we will not be worrying about spoilers in this recording. Are you just watching episode 53, V33? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm E. Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And both of us are really excited to talk about this movie because it was a lot of fun. It that was it was. Very inspirational. And I highly recommend if you haven't seen it yet, go see this movie. It is really good. This, uh, I was actually a little surprised with how true to life how accurate they kept this film yeah um even even and um we'll talk about this a little bit later i think Mm -hmm. but even a little bit to my disappointment how true they kept this film (laughs) why would you be disappointed well um throughout the film they're talking about the safety violations and as it turns out those safety violations are all real yeah including um missing ladders and all of that Mm mm-hmm yeah. And I was really, really disappointed at the end. When they said that, when, the, yeah, that the mining company yeah. did, was found not guilty for negligence. That just. Exactly. Uh, they sent them into. You an, want a happy ending and the happy ending means a big, bad, evil corporation <laughs> goes to jail. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I wanted to say up front. And the reason why I'm encouraging people to go see this movie is one of the things that I found out in watching some of the documentaries that I found on YouTube uh, is that the miners were never, it actually says at the end of the movie, the miners were never compensated for what happened to them. And uh, the only compensation that they receive uh, is through the sell of the book that they co-wrote um, through a ghostwriter and through the proceeds of this movie. So they are making money off of this movie. And I think that uh, it sure made me feel a little bit better about the amount of money I paid for my ticket, <laughs> and uh, just knowing that these men live in a in a hard country. In fact, uh, in one of the documentaries, they said that one of the one of the men that was highlighted a little bit uh, in the movie because uh, they didn't give you the stories of all thirty three miners, but that'd be a long. It movie. would be that'd be a mini. It was already a long movie, but. Um, one of them was involved in the recent flooding in Chile. Uh, it actually hit the area uh, close to the San Jose mine, and he was pretty much wiped out by the flooding. So mm. um, that just a, a reminder that these these men are not have not become millionaires off of this. They are all um, they were not compensated and uh, they didn't sign really big uh, Hollywood deals or anything. They didn't get compensated for any of the talk shows they did afterwards. And. Um, I imagine some of the the traveling they did was paid for, but they didn't become multimillionaires from this. And yeah, um, and they're not they're not even uh, they're not employed. They're not generally even compensated for the illnesses that are common to minors mm-hmm. already. Right, right. And a lot of them are unable to work now because of uh, various reasons. And uh, some of them are working. In fact, I, I think one guy, they said he he's working so much that he he's literally working himself into an early grave because he has so many nightmares he doesn't sleep. Um, so mm-hmm. these guys, uh, they, they have ongoing issues. I mean, this is only five years later. 
and uh, highly encourage people if you haven't paid to go see the movie that you might consider paying to go see the movie because mm-hmm. um, the proceeds from this film will be uh, at least part of the proceeds from this film will be divided among the 33 minors. So yeah, it's I know a lot of people who uh, <clears throat> make fun of having to pay to go see movies and don't hesitate to joke about pirating movies, you know, downloading them off of Pirate Bay or whatever the mm-hmm. the most recent one, most recent version is. But maybe it'll make it a little more real to them knowing that if they download the 33, they're actually taking money from the pockets of these 33 miners mm-hmm. yes. and their families. And their families, yes. So that aside, um, since we're speaking about money, I just do want to plug um, very quickly um, the fact that we are running a Patreon campaign to support this podcast. And um, thankfully, Tim and I both have full-time jobs, so we're not living off of the income for this uh, podcast. Otherwise, we would be starving right now. Uh, we'd really, really appreciate you checking out Patreon. Uh, we We kind of pushed this in our last episode, and we haven't had... Uh, a single person sign up to support us, which is a little depressing. Yeah, We re- we really hope that it, if you enjoy what we do, that you would consider putting a dollar a month aside um, to helping us keep this podcast going. We do have we have one visitor or one listener who is trying to and has been running into difficulty. And I was uh, this week, I'll actually be uh, reaching out to him to see if. I can help him out with it. I've got to figure out how to do it myself, too. So, <laughs> I I looked at it. It seems like it's pretty simple. You just click on the support button and choose your option. Yeah. And so I don't think it's that difficult. But if anyone is having issues, please do comment on Facebook and let us know. Because yeah. we would like to work that out. We don't want to waste your time with advertisements. And so if you would consider supporting us on Patreon, we'd really appreciate it. All right. That commercial aside... <laughs> Um, One of the things that is being discussed a lot about the 33 is the music. And I I know that, um, well, I don't know whether everybody will know or remember that James Horner uh, died in a a plane crash uh, back in the summer when I'm assuming that he was either in the middle of or just finished with scoring this movie. It was his last score. Yeah, and uh, James Horner is a very prolific composer mm-hmm. uh, I mean the the list of movies that he has to his credit are nothing short of astounding hundreds <laughs> yeah. of them it seems like hundreds doesn't it yeah and well, some well, of the- 100 127 according to IMDB yeah that, it's just amazing because some of the my most memorable scores were done by him so I know he did avatar and um and he did Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, he did the CBS Evening News theme music. Yeah. And uh, and uh, The Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind. I guess it's not The Beautiful Mind. Yeah. But a Beautiful Mind. Um, that has an absolutely lovely score. And he did that one as well. So, yeah. Um, we'll play a little bit of the score for you to listen to.
the other thing I noticed that you had posted on Facebook soon after going to see the movie was the song that is sung in this movie by the actress that that played Ziva David on NCIS. And I always mess up her name. <laughs> Pablo Decote, yeah, I Pop- think is how you say it. Yeah. Um, she's a very strong uh, part of this movie, and and uh, I was really amazed at her role because it's not what I'm used to seeing her play. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's she in the middle of the movie, she sings a song kind of around a campfire in Camp Hope, and uh, it's just absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. And I, I'm assuming that it's part of the score or soundtrack that's really. It is. I, I didn't look. I I listened to the entire thing straight through at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday or Thursday, and I was very pleased to hear it in there. <laughs> uh, and she really does a, a great job in there. Her the, the tenor of her voice is just right on the money. So I didn't even know she sang. I suppose neither it, did I. <laughs> I suppose that there are hidden talents in many actors and actresses. So this thing was packed full of of names that I knew, which kind of surprised me. Um, Lou Diamond Phillips is, is one of my favorite uh, ethnic actors. I should say, mm-hmm. I, I see him in a lot of, of TV shows and movies. Uh, he's, it seems like he's just in everything. <laughs> um, and you know what? He's one of the actors. I would be happy to see in more stuff. Yes. Yes. He's very good. And he he's not, I, I don't think he's really got that big of a head because he just, he, he, he's not, He's not an actor that dominates the scenes that he's mm-hmm. in, but he plays well. He plays well into whatever he needs to be. Um, yeah. I, I follow his uh, his Twitter stream, and mm-hmm. he seems to have a, a – I don't know much about you know his personal beliefs or anything, but he seems to have a really good head on his shoulders and is always tweeting about uh, you know charity – uh, charity events and causes and uh, really seems to be using his celebrity for the right things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, you know, gives me a little sense of uh, pride in him in how he's doing it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> like you, I, I remember him in, what was it, The Lost Boys? Or Young, he was in Young Guns. Young Guns, yeah. Was it Young Guns? I don't know. I just know I've seen him in a lot of things. And a lot of times I struggle to remember his name. For some reason, it just doesn't roll off my my tongue. I recognize his face when I see it all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's that 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 diamond guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then, of course, the big name in the movie is Antonio Banderas. Everybody knows him. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because he kind of takes the lead. And when we were watching. When I don't know whether you noticed this when you watch the documentaries that mm-hmm. um, that I watched that uh, his character Mario is is really the dominant character in the movie, but yeah. um, it, it sounds like that while he was definitely a, a very outgoing personality and he, and he was the spokesman once communication was established mm-hmm. with the miners, mm-hmm. uh, he was not the actual leader of the group. <laughs> And uh, and so I think they played up that character because Antonio Banderas was playing that character. Yeah, and I can understand that. It, he's probably the – well, in my opinion, he's the biggest name and he's probably the uh, – he's probably got the most zeros in his paycheck for the movie. Right. So right. Uh, they want to get as much screen time uh, <laughs> With him as, as possible. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I understand the choice. Um I wish that they had not backplayed Lou Diamond Phillips' character, Don Lucho, 
mm-hmm. uh, quite as much as they did. Yes. Um, because they they made him seem weak. And in, in the very beginning of the ordeal, they made him seem a little weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, it, of course, in reality, he's the one who held the group was, together. Yeah. You know, the, the glue to the group. Right. Right. Uh, according this... to the accounts that we have. Yes, the accounts that that we've seen in the um, uh, in the documentary said that he was the one that controlled the rationing uh, and doled out the food and and kept everybody sane uh, for the at least uh, the, the sixteen days before they established communication, and uh, and they don't show that in the in the movie. I mean, he looks very weak. Like he he took the blame and the guilt. Uh, he had a lot of guilt over uh, knowing that the mine was unsafe. Mm-hmm. And and that weakened his character in the movie. Um, yeah, and and you know, in uh, in reality, he had been uh, working these um, safety issues for apparently years. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the mining company had been cited and fined numerous times, and they were actually still under uh, some probationary period at mm. the time of the collapse. Right. Huh. Well, you know, they did show that at the beginning of the movie that he was trying really hard to address these things with his his uh, superior. Yeah, uh, that mirror trick was I liked that mirror trick. Mhm. How do you figure out that it's moving underground? Well, mm-hmm. a broken mirror is easy to see when a flashlight hits it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I never would have thought of that. God willing, I'll never need to think of it. Yeah. I don't ever want to be in one of these mines. No, I wouldn't want to either. And, you know, the thing that really struck me was they were talking about how deep they were. That the, that it, At first, I always thought that you go underground to get that nice, even, cool temperature. But hmm. they were so deep that they were actually experiencing the heat of the Earth's core. That's yeah. why it was so hot. They were and, 700 meters. Yeah. That That's just, a seven football fields? That Holy just, mackerel. <laughs> Just blew my mind that that was why it was so hot down there was because they were they were so deep and that it was being heated by the Earth's core. And that's just wow. (laughs) So anyway, I I think that the movie was uh, definitely a good portrayal. One of the things that I did note when I watched the documentary was they said that they have combined the stories of the 33 individual men and pulled out like the. The, the personal stories that were the most interesting yeah, and kind of group them together in five or six characters to carry that. So the people who have the stories in the movie are not necessarily the people in real life who those stories are attached to. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it definitely does. And they would have to because, it, like we mentioned earlier, <laughs> if they tried to touch on all 33 minors. Yeah. And and it really does seem like each one has their own individual story. Like uh, mm-hmm. one of the ones that is just briefly hinted at a couple times in the movie um, is the Bolivian. Mm-hmm. This this kid who has just immigrated from Bolivia specifically to work in the mine. Right. And in the movie, uh, I didn't catch in the uh, in the extra stuff that we watched, but in the movie, it was his first day on the mine. Do you know if that was actually his first day, or did they just put that in there for? dramatic purposes if it wasn't his first day it was maybe like 
his first week because yeah. I don't think he'd been there. And, and it was obvious that he did not have the camaraderie with the rest of the group because he hadn't been with them for, you know, working these shifts with them for a really long time. But uh, and they had done a really good job in the movie, in my opinion, of uh, demonstrating the national uh, hostility or the the mm-hmm. racial hostility between uh, the Bolivians and the Chileans or mm-hmm. even, you know, whatever the, the environment is like down there. And I really felt for the kid in the movie. I was like, wow. There's yeah. this, there's this one scene where he sneaks up on, um, on Mario Bandes- Banderas's character. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you find out that he has been trapped. It's, it had been like 14 days by this point. He'd been trapped down there this entire time. He doesn't have a light. Mm-hmm. Because he hadn't been issued one yet. Yes. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. And and Makes the story... claustrophobia just... <laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah. Because yeah, from what I saw in the documentaries, I think they provided more light uh, for the miners in the movie than they oh, actually definitely. had. Because yeah. it shows them like hooking up lights with the batteries of the vehicles and, and, and casting more light on their area. Um but I don't think from from the way they showed, um, like the first video that came out of the um, out of the pipe that they first <laughs> the, <laughs> the hole they first yeah. drilled um, that they they the faces were literally appearing out of darkness. So mm-hmm. those guys were were really in the dark for those sixteen days and seventeen I, days. I can certainly understand that as a creative. It's really hard to to film people in pitch black. Yeah. 60% of the movie is just a dark theater listening. <laughs> wow, it's an audio experience. Do you remember, at, uh, for our listeners' sake, uh, I had the uh, opportunity to see the movie on uh, the, what was it, the day before, I think. It came out, and then you saw it uh, like five days later, the opening weekend. Yeah, I saw and, it Friday morning. Uh, the one thing that I, I, I sent to you was be prepared for a very dark theater. <laughs> yeah. It was really tough to take notes for me. It, yeah, it, it definitely, you had to move the, the story along. I thought one of the things I, I appreciated was even the way they hallucinated because the whole Last Supper thing. Oh, yeah. That was where they were they were, they were were drinking their, their little cup with uh, diluted tuna in water and nasty water too. Um, and they all hallucinated their wives and girlfriends and sisters bringing them food. And it was like this huge feast going on. And I kept thinking as I was watching, I was like, when is the reality going to kick in? <laughs> Cause that's not what they're eating. <laughs> but it Maybe provided, that's what they had to picture eating. Yeah. They had to provide some, some light and, and frivolity in the middle of something that was, that was kind of really hard to watch. Um, basically, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie yet or you weren't paying attention to historical events, they didn't have much in that refuge. There were just a, uh, they said, I think in one of the documentaries I saw that, that it was the men that stocked the food chest. The actual miners had stocked it over time. Mm. And so I don't think that any of them had really anticipated needing survival rations. And so they had put things in there like chocolate chip cookies and um, just frivolous junk food. It wasn't it wasn't stuff that would maintain you for very long. Yeah. No. Uh, what's it? Hard tack or. 
yeah. MREs or anything like that. Yeah. And and the other thing that I took note of and they kind of made a point of showing was that the, the first aid kit was not well stocked. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was I, I sort of expected it in the movie, but even though I was expecting it, I was like, Holy mackerel. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, they they're just the the provisions were not good. And and it was interesting they said that they had three days of food. That's the, the people that were trying to dig them out, you know, they were all talking about they had three days worth of food. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how did they even know what they had? Because it sounds to me like nobody had intentionally stocked that food locker. And how would they even know there was three days worth yeah. of food in there? It's more um, like, well, there's supposed to be three days of food. Right. Um and they were 33 men living off of rations for, I think that was supposed to provide 30 men with three days of food. And they had 33 right. men and they lived on it for 17 days. Yeah. And it, it just blows my mind. And they had um, lost an average, what was it, uh, 19 pounds a piece? Yeah. Some of them said they lost as many as 30 pounds. Yeah. And the other interesting thing that it was not in the movie that I picked up from the documentary was that when they, they created the Phoenix um, to lift them up through the, what was it, 26 or 24-inch hole? Oh, uh, it was a 26-inch hole. 26-inch hole. Um, they said that there were still some of them that had to train for several days, possibly even weeks, by running up and down the tunnels um, to try and get their waistlines down small enough that they could fit inside the Phoenix. Oh. So can you, I mean, they were told, they they were told that if you didn't fit, we can't bring you up. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, one thing that I did find interesting and that they didn't do in the movie is they actually sent people down. Mm. Um, the, uh, there were actually, when Mario, the last minor came up, or no, excuse me, not Mario, when Don Lucha, Lucho. the last minor came up. Mm-hmm. Um, there were actually engineers that had gone down into the mine shaft uh, and were looking around in there at that point. And mm-hmm. I, under- I certainly understand why they didn't put that in the movie. It just would have, you know, complicated well, uh, things. That but... and it took away from the drama because remember yeah. they told them uh, at the beginning when they were choosing their first man up that the, that they were afraid they weren't going to be reinforcing the, the pipe basically. They didn't have and time. Yeah. They didn't have time. And so they were concerned the mountain would shift and this is the first man up might be the only one that makes it out. So oh, speaking of the mountain shifting. Mm-hmm. I want to. Uh, I would like to say how impressed I was with the scene where the miners encounter the mountain core, mm-hmm. and you're you're just, you know, they they did such a good reveal, and the score was just perfect there. Mm-hmm. It was, and then Mario's line was, "That's the heart of the mountain." She finally broke. Yeah, when he made that comment, it was just like that. That is like giving the mountain almost a personality like Mm -hmm. this, this carving her up on the inside was just finally broke her heart kind of thing. I feel like uh, I should make a reference back to the singing volcanoes, but I don't think I will. (laughs) No, wrong movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it was definitely well done. Out of curiosity, did you get a chance to look at any of the 3D models of what the mine looked like, looked Mm -hmm. like before the... Wow. Yeah. Almost looks like an ant warren. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Just looking at it, it and they've been this mine had been active for a hundred and was it hundred and twenty years? 
Well, they really brought it home to you that when when they sure first showed the miners all trundling down on the truck and they and they the the mm. new guy yeah. he made the comment he says so how long are we doing this and they says oh it's about an hour so it took them an hour to get from the opening of the mine down to where they were working mm-hmm. so that is a a long drive and when I was watching the documentary they said that um, that one of the miners had actually uh, had to go up and out of the mine in order to uh, collect a part they needed for one of their equipment down there. And when he and his his driver had gone up and out of the mine to get the part and they were on their way back um, when the mine collapsed and that they said that that was one of the reasons why all the men were grouped together, though they didn't show that in the movie. Right. Um, right. It showed them kind of all running together from their various locations. But in the in the in actuality, they said they were all grouped together because they were waiting for the truck to come down to fetch them up for lunch. And they were delayed because they the truck had gone up to get this part and was coming back. And they had just gotten past the part that collapsed when it collapsed um, come on their way back down. And so um, it sounds like um, that they were all grouped together like that and were able to survive as the whole group because they had been joining together to take a ride up for lunch. Very providential. Yeah, that and I kept thinking it's like if they'd already left for lunch, they might have been in the section that collapsed and they would have all been crushed. Yeah. So the delay had prevented them from being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. The whole movie really points out that it's almost a miracle um, in so many ways. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is the the way it presents faith and hope. And uh, I think God is really well presented in this movie Absolutely. as well. And, you know, I, I, that was one of the things I had written down that I wanted to talk about. One of the storylines that uh, that they had woven into the uh, main course of the story mm-hmm. of the movie was the story of Dario Segova. Segovia, mm-hmm. excuse me, uh, and his sister Maria. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dario was a, a alcoholic, mm-hmm. and you know they were down there for uh, seventeen days before they even had contact with the surface, and then uh, before rescue, it was it, it was sixteen sixty nine days mm-hmm. that they were down there. So he actually went through um, he went through a, a detox. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he went through complete the complete DTS. Uh-huh. And he had a crisis while he was down there, a crisis of faith. And um, there were – in reality, there were actually two uh, people down there that they – that were sort of spiritual anchors. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the movie, there is one that they just called Pastor. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a scene where where uh, he says, uh, I, I don't know how to pray. And, and the pastor says, God doesn't care. Right. So he doesn't know the words. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and it, it, it's funny how when we're talking about these movies, we always sort of come back to the same scripture references. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are the scripture references that we as believers uh, build, uh, you know, it's how we view uh, our world, our worldview. And mm-hmm. the scripture references are different for other people. Um, right. But uh, – this one brought back to mind the one that uh, 
I had mentioned before, which was uh, Romans eight twenty six, mm-hmm. and that's likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, right. for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but mm-hmm. the Spirit Himself intercedes with us with groaning too deep for words, and that's one of my all time favorites. It's one of the ones that informs uh, my communications with God, mm-hmm. and right. uh, I really appreciated how they had put that in the movie, particularly with Mario as he was going through such a difficult time. Dario, you mean? Uh, Did you say Dario or Mario? Uh, oh, yeah, Dario. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Mario There's, was a different guy. Yeah, Mario was a different guy with different issues. And and uh, in the movie, like I said, they had made him into a much stronger character, and I suspect that's because Antonio Banderas right. was playing him. But um, the uh, Mario, I thought it was very interesting when they showed him coming out, uh, and I think he was like the tenth man out or something like that. Um, he he roused this cheer, yeah, um, Chilean cheer. And when I was watching the documentary, <laughs> they showed that, and that was all, that was like move for move, word for word, I would, how they portrayed I thought- it. I thought uh, Banderas's was even a little more subdued <laughs> than the real yeah, one. Than the real one, yeah. But I, I mean, when the when the real Mario came up, and it, he just had this intensity. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> it was just it was you couldn't help smiling. Yes, you couldn't help yes. but to smile well, watching were, him do that. <laughs> During that whole end of that movie, I was crying and smiling <laughs> and laughing, and it was just so uplifting. I think that's one of the things that I just I really enjoyed about the movie was that despite what they're going through, the whole thing is uplifting. I mean, yeah. you see um, the families just, you know, just really getting emotional and 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 the the hope and the intensity of that hope and the and the perseverance on everybody's part is just really inspiring. Absolutely. Um, and and you see like the the minister of mining uh Lawrence Gold Goldborn who's played by Rodrigo Santoro um that was probably one of the strongest roles in the movie and he does an amazing job with it because you just you see that he's he's wanting so badly to save these miners. And, and at the beginning, he's really just shooting, uh, shooting into the wind because they don't even really know if they're still alive. And he's, yeah. he's throwing a lot of money after just helping these families have closure, if nothing else, to keep missing, to put all those <laughs> drills into the ground. I think they said they had 12 drills going, yeah. trying to get uh, to puncture into uh, an area around the refuge or the tunnels around the refuge. In the movie, they only show them making it once, but they actually poked through in three places. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were able to communicate and send stuff down through three, was it five-inch holes um, in actuality? The, they- um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking a little larger, but five inches sounds right. Yeah, I think it was five inches, and they Not actually <laughs> they don't yeah, and they don't show it in the movie um, because they only showed one hole in the movie. But there were th- there were three holes that made it through. They used one of those holes as a guide for the Plan B drill mm-hmm. because it was not a targeted drill. They were concerned that it would that there was no way they could force it to go in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So they actually designed the the drill bit to fit inside the five inch hole so that it would guide the bigger bigger drill down all the way every time it would hit 
it would it would force it into the correct line with that five inch hole. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, as we're speaking about it, I do want to give a shout out to the character, uh, to Gabriel Burns' portrayal of uh, Andre Sugarit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that his character was sort of like, um, it, uh, you know, a, a rock foundation. Uh, he he accepted um, Lawrence's determination. Mm-hmm. And completely supported him in it, and right. he he's the one who brought the technical expertise to the party, and and right. uh, he really I I I don't know how much how you know uh, accurate to real life that was. <laughs> yeah, but he, they really worked as a as a team, and I really appreciated that they that Hollywood didn't take that opportunity to create tension. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like there was one of the lines and I think it was like maybe on day four or no, it was day 60. It says it uh, is 16 days. They only had three days of food. It's over, Lawrence. Yeah, that was one of his lines. And, and he and he was ready to shut it down and walk away. And that was Lawrence's uh, moment when he realized um, he, where he started applying a conversation he had with Maria, who was um uh, Dario's yeah, Dario's brother. sister, or sister, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dario's sister. Um, he had this conversation with Mario where she made some uh comment that um that she had never could never learn from her mistakes, and and that was when he realized that they could learn from their mistakes in in missing mm-hmm. and actually calculate the miss into how they. Tr- the trajectory of the drill yeah and and that added drama to the movie i don't know if that really happened in real life they i didn't see anybody mention it in any of the documentaries mm-hmm. but um I'll but take i it, thought though. yeah we'll take it yeah it was it was it was a good uh, way to pull that in because as soon as he went over and started talking to the drill guy he was like well do you have a trajectory and lawrence had to convince andre about the uh how to how to target the drill Right, how to target the drill because he didn't have the technical know-how to tell the drill operator how to target the mm-hmm. drill. <laughs> he needed somebody to step in. And I do want to do a shout out. Um, that it's kind of interesting that this we're recording this uh, the week week of Veterans Day, and I wanted to thank you for your service, Tim. Uh, and, it, it is literally <laughs> my pleasure. Um, but the uh, the Plan B drill, which is the one that actually punches through and gives them the lifeline out of their um, of their entombment really uh, was dreamed up and brought into play by a veteran and mm. of the U S mm-hmm. um, army, I believe um, he was actually in on tour in um, Afghanistan when he heard about uh, the, the mine collapse. And when he heard that, the, how, that they weren't planning on getting them out until Christmas, he was like, Oh goodness, we've got, we've got equipment can, that can do it much faster than that. And so he, um, he made a few phone calls and made it happen. So, um, and then I think later on he actually came in and uh, and was able to help near the end. He he wasn't there to, at the beginning, but I don't rem- recall what his name was. But um, the Plan B drill was the U.S. Um, contribution, and yeah, uh, and I, I hate to think that the U.S. Is always that comes to the rescue, but in this instance, it was the only drill that made it. So yeah. it was it was good that they came, and not for lack of trying. I mean, no, it's, no. they had so many other drills going. They uh, even brought in a big oil mine drill. The Canadians brought in this mm-hmm. massive. It came in like on five trucks or something like that, and then it took them like a month to put it together. Um, it was so big. Uh, unfortunately, it, it 
just wasn't as um as fast as it was supposed to be yeah it it really does speak to the uh the difficulty and danger that they face mm-hmm. how hard the rock was too. Yeah. they kept making a comment over and over again this is harder than any rock that, we, that there is out there uh, and they had to go so deep to get to them too. It was just it, mind blowing um, that it, really that they got there as quickly as they did because uh, they didn't even find them for for the first seventeen days. And the efforts to actually get a hole big enough that they could come out of um, took you know a couple months beyond that, mm-hmm. and it could have taken much longer because they got out in um, was it October. Uh, they they were originally forecasting them maybe getting out before Christmas. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, crazy to think about it. So and and the amount of effort that went into that for thirty three men and the amount of money that was spent. I was thinking about that when they when they made the comment that the miners were never compensated. I'm like, in a way, they were because the cost of the effort to get them out oh. was massive. <laughs> We shouldn't hold that against them, though. (laughs) No, I think we should hold that against the company that left them down there, and and the company that walked away because it was the the Chilean government that that paid to get them out. I actually wanted to mention that the the movie certainly made it look like the government sort of came in and and forced a takeover. Um, they, there were a couple lines that indicated that the, the San, what was it? San, um, uh, San Esteban mining company. Yeah. Uh, that they, um, there were a couple lines that suggested that they had just given up, but it seems like in real life it was more, uh, heartless than that, but that might've just been, you know, my, uh, innate claustrophobia talking. <laughs> well, it seemed to me like in the movie, like they were just saying that they just assumed they were dead. They didn't, they didn't want to go to the trouble. I mean, they had sent in rescuers and they couldn't get through. Uh, they were trying to go down the ramps to mm-hmm. get to them and it was too dangerous and they pulled the rescuers back and then they just made the assumption, you know, they, they're dead. And, uh, it was really the pressure of the families on the political, on the government officials um, that made them keep trying to find them. And uh, it, it's just amazing. I, I often wonder how many times we've given up on people um, when you know, when there was a hope and we didn't follow up on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that should actually uh, speak pretty loud and clear to our uh our lives of faith too, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to pre-Christians. Right. Um, right. We just, we can't just assume that somebody is beyond God's reach because they right. never are. <laughs> they never are. Sometimes it just really impresses on me that we should never give up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just never make assumptions because those guys would have died if they hadn't been trying to reach them those guys would have died alone in the dark without any hope. And, mm-hmm. and it was the sound of the, they could hear the drills. So they knew that they, that the, somebody was out there looking for them. They could hear the drills and that gave them hope. So uh, one of the, I was looking um, kind of on in scripture for passages on hope and there are tons of passages on hope. <laughs> There's like an entire book. <laughs> yeah. That's a, the whole Bible is about <laughs> hope, but um one of the things that really struck me, and it was in the book of Acts, um, I I was uh, looking up the word hope, and in this one story, 
um, from the book of Acts really popped out on me. It was the story of Paul and Luke was with him. So he was writing in the first person at this point when, when Paul was on his way to Rome and the, sh- and they, they went into the winter sea and, and they got, um, storm tossed for 14 days and the people on board the ship couldn't, they didn't have enough food. They weren't taking, eating food for 14 days. And then God saves the ship because of Paul and his need to go to Rome. And it just, when I was reading that, they were saying they had, that all hope was lost. They didn't think they were going to make it. And that was where the word hope had appeared was that all, all hope was lost. And it just, it really, I thought it was interesting that it was 14 days that they had gone without food or mm-hmm. eating very little. And it just really brought into mind the story of these guys um, living on three days of rations. Oh. Um, and, uh, and just, just uh, that God is God's hand is in that. I, I really think that, that God had a hand in getting these guys rescued, that there were many men on in this group that had faith and there were many families that were praying around the clock yeah. for them. And, I, I, God answers prayer and just the the way that this movie started with a very sobering statement on the screen. Do you remember what that was? No. Um, 12,000 miners die a year. Oh, yeah. And that these 33 men survived this ordeal is really a miracle <laughs> and a testament to God's um, glory and and power in in lives. I, you know when you when you think about twelve thousand men die in these mining accidents a year, I guess it makes you think that maybe San Esteban might not have been too far off. Saying there's no way they survived. Right, right. Oh, that's scary. It, it's just just the thought of that. When I saw that figure. I mean, they started the movie with that figure and it just, you know, it it kind of gave you a different perspective as you went into the movie and you were watching these guys go into this mine. In fact, there's a there's a scene um, where um, Don Lucho uh, is taking on the guilt because he he Mm -hmm. knew the mine was dangerous. And he says, I knew this place was dangerous. And I think it was Mario who replied, nobody's blaming you. And we all knew it was dangerous when we chose this job. And. And to take that into mind that these men would, that these miners around the world, I mean, probably in the States, we probably control our minds a little better, though I think we've had hmm. some mind collapses even here. Um, yeah, there, the, there was one in West mine, Virginia not too long ago, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this, um, it's one of the most dangerous occupations <laughs> because when the mines collapse, there's just really... Um, it's just really hard to imagine what how how you can even survive the collapse, let alone if you're buried and get dug out in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a very dangerous occupation, and and kind of have to hold it to the in to the faith of these miners to to be able to walk into that dark hole <laughs> every day. It's, oh, it just really blows my mind. Yeah, and they do it probably for less less than a year than. You know, most Americans make in uh, a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they don't make a lot of money at it. And though that was, they were kind of bringing that up in this movie at the beginning because the the uh, the character Alex Vega, um, he's the one uh, that is has a a wife expecting a uh, child. He's uh, he's 
Jessica's husband. Jessica, uh, Jessica is Cote de, de Cote Pablo. De Pablo. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pablo de Cote. Cote de Pablo. <laughs> it's one of those two. Yeah. His character, um, Alex Vega, actually had three children and his wife was not pregnant. But they, um, in real life, mm-hmm. but they applied the story of one of the other minors um, to Alex Vega. He played that that story line in, in the movie. Um, his His character was expecting a child and everybody was urging him at this get together that's at the beginning of the movie to look for another occupation they kept saying you have a child on the way Mm -hmm. you need a safer job and so he was he was being encouraged by everybody to take another job but the other job didn't pay as much as going into the mine working in a barber shop wasn't it yeah yeah, and it wasn't going to pay as much. And so I, I think that's one of the things they kind of point out is that these men, because of the jobs that were available, sometimes the mining job was the only one they could afford to do mm-hmm. and um, based on trying to provide for their families and, and all of that. So Yeah, and it, it's a generational job in these countries, mm-hmm. uh, not yeah. even in these countries, in these communities. It, it is it's generational here, too, in, in a lot of communities. In fact, Alex, Ve- the in real life, Alex Vega's father was one of the uh, uh, retired miners who tried, who re- was in the rescue party mm-hmm. that first went into the mine, and so uh, he, his father was on the on the surface trying desperately to find a way to get his son out. So um, that definitely generational, and and then they had the. The character, and I don't know which of the names it was, but they had the old the old guy that was just shy of retirement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don Lucho had given him his retirement papers to fill out as they went into the mine. We go, it's hard to attach names with all the characters because they were so, so many to keep track of. Yeah. But um, he, he had this really great line when they were eating their last supper. Um, it was the last food they had and they divvied it out. Um, he's like, he he threw the retirement papers. He says, you can keep these retirement papers. If this is my last supper, I quit. <laughs> and they all started laughing because it was just so funny that he's buried in this mine. He's like, not going to retire. I'm going to quit. They really they really did a good job showing, uh, portraying the range of emotions that they must have been going down through there mm-hmm. i mean this was a, right. this was a longer movie what it was uh it was over two hours it, two, yeah, uh, just two over... hours and 15 or something and you add add in those stupid previews yeah, yeah. it's a lot longer i think i was in there three hours i think um, but uh, i mean these guys were stuck down there uh, just the initial 17 days before they made contact they must have gone through the entire gambit of yeah. emotions and well, you even show some, you know, fighting, but they showed some fighting between them and um, one guy nearly kills another mm-hmm. guy. And, and they were saying that they were really concerned about their um, psychological wear- welfare towards the end. And, and uh, it, you know, one thing they didn't touch on in the movie, but uh, came across in the, the stuff we we read and watched afterwards was, the fr- what was it, the first six days uh, they weren't able to see at all. Because of mm. the the, uh, the dust the dust in the air, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. right. Can you uh, just wow? And you combine that with the heat and humidity. They were saying that it was averaging like ninety five degrees with around ninety percent humidity, mm. um, constant. I mean, <clears throat> there was no no relief from that, and 
And when you're enclosed in a space and there's no movement of air, yeah. um, that is suffocating. I mean, I I don't like humidity and heat. I live in a very humid area, so I deal with it all summer. But um, I've always said that I can handle heat as long as it's not humid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's I a love, dry heat. Yeah. Um, have to have the air moving when it's hot. I like to have, you know, that constant movement of air and I just can't, how airless it must've been down there. And they said they weren't really concerned about their oxygen that they were, that I guess the area that they were in was big enough that there was enough oxygen for however long they were going to be down there. Mm -hmm. But, um, they were really concerned about food and water and it looked like they were filtering water and I don't know how accurate that was, but it was barely drinkable yeah so um they they were um making do with what they had and and i just i knowing that it was a true story and even knowing that they all got out it was just it it was an amazing and inspirational movie to watch yeah and uh it really it it really did this is a human interest movie uh, at its core uh, man versus nature, and yeah, uh, I I thought it was one. And one of the documentaries had made the comment um, that it was faith that pulled the miners through the ordeal. Mm-hmm. That they had faith in each other, faith in their loved ones, and I, I would say that even faith in God was definitely important. Yeah. Um, and I I just um, I think that this movie does show how strong faith is and how it can help you endure um, the situations that you're in. And those people who say um, that it's that a belief in God really has nothing to do with anything, that it's just pie in the sky and do smocking odds. It has nothing to do with reality. Mm-hmm. They need to watch this movie because I really think somebody who doesn't have faith um, especially a faith in a higher power, a belief that he's looking out for you and that there is eternity after death. Um, they couldn't make it through something like that. Yeah. So Hebrews ten twenty three says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. I think it's really amazing that, that that is the reason why we can have faith in God because he is faithful. And, uh, and then there was another passage I found Romans five, one through five, Um, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Doesn't that seem so perfect (laughs) for this movie (laughs) that, you know, we rejoice in our afflictions because it produces endurance and character. And I think that these men definitely endured afflictions and they came out of it stronger than they went in and their character was formed out of that. And I think one of the the best things was seeing them all, the, the real miners all together at that scene at the end where they showed them all and gave us their names, mm-hmm. all 33 of them and, and what they look like now and, and that they, they said, and they are all still brothers. 
what happened to them and that mine really pulled them together even yeah. in the bolivian um you know the uh the <clears throat> the real miner whose wife was pregnant and gave birth while he was mm-hmm. trapped in the mine area uh ariel tacona um they uh they end up naming the baby uh esperanza esperanza yeah mm-hmm. And uh, I, I got a kick out of that. And, and the idea, the camp was uh, Camp Hope as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And Esperanza is Spanish Means hope. for hope. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, in fact, I, it was driving me nuts because I was watching that documentary and they kept calling her Baby Hope. I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> what they named her. They named her Esperanza. <laughs> That'd be like saying, so. hey, uh, messenger of God over here. My name's Tim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yep. Uh, well, I just I think that especially if anybody listening to this uh, has not seen the movie, please go see the movie. It is worth the two hours and whatever. And even if you have to pay a lot of money, I I was a little disappointed when I first went in because I usually go to an early morning matinee, which is cheaper mm-hmm. than the regular matinee. And when I w- looked up the times for this movie, they weren't offering an early morning really? matinee. So I had to pay the matinee price. And so I was disappointed because I had to pay more. But when I was watching the the documentary where they made the comment that they were making money off of this film, that it was probably about the only money they were going to see from this ordeal, Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, now I feel a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) So don't don't be disappointed when you have to to pay money to go see this movie. Just think of it as your as your help to these miners and and what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And um. Go see it, please. Go see it. It it is really worth seeing. Yeah, this this movie really uh, really did emphasize uh, the the power of of uh, of faith and and like you said, mm-hmm. not just not just the faith of uh, of the miners and their families and the love in their families, but uh, their faith in God did play a big role uh, mm-hmm. and. And it's a very clean movie. I was yeah. uh, other than the there were a couple swear words minor, in there. Yeah, and and other than the minor who had the the whole fight going on between his wife and his mistress, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which was actually rather that comical, was funny. Yeah, but, I, it, it, yeah. I mean, it was sad because it, the whole thing you don't want that kind of bad stuff in there, but it was funny, and it made it feel a little more genuine. Yeah. Too, so. I mean, these guys were not living saints' lives, so. <laughs> oh boy. Um, they they uh, they're just normal men with normal um issues in their lives, and uh, that was definitely a big <laughs> one. And I, I don't know what what character that was that really applied to in real life. Um, which of the miners had that issue? But I'm I, they seem to be pretty true to life with all of the stories yeah. they put in the movie. So, um, the whole fighting over the, between the mistress the wife kept trying to get the mistress kicked out of the camp hope because it was only supposed to be family <laughs> and then when he finally wrote a note saying to asking to let his mistress stay in camp hope then his wife left <laughs> <laughs> well if he doesn't want me that was sort of that was sort of uh it did play to the stereotype i guess but uh mm-hmm. it was it it was a good bit of humor in in that uh <laughs> very potentially very dark movie yeah they 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 managed to get 
humor in there, but I will tell you that it is a tearjerker. Um, it would be handy to have a couple tissues mm. on hand and it's not tearjerker in a bad way though. It's scary in a few places. You're kind of like, um, the, the cave in especially. And when the, when the families first start, you know, accumulating yeah. outside the, the, the fence, um, th- those are really hard to watch, oh, but yeah, actually, uh, I want to do a quick shout out to the visual effects team. Mm-hmm. Wow. That cave in scene was out of this world it looks yeah. so real to me and so scary uh, it's this was this was jaws coming up out of the blue for me as far as uh as far as the emotional trigger mm-hmm. uh, i i think they really did a, a great job making that cave-in feel real yeah it was pretty impressive and and then just the the way they they recreated everything that is going on uh you know the drilling and the all of that i i can't see i mean based on what i saw in the documentaries it doesn't look like the mine has been reopened um it it would be interesting to see whether they ever do reopen that mine it sounded like they were concerned that it was playing out anyway but um uh, they would have to dig pretty deep to get to anything yeah. So and I and I thought it was interesting that the Mario com- uh, Mario actually brings up rocks with him as souvenirs. <laughs> one of them, uh, I saw a picture. Uh, uh, one of the rocks was given to Queen Elizabeth as a uh, as a gift. Oh, cool! Well, I can't think of anything else um, to say about the movie. I do encourage everybody to. We didn't say it at the beginning, but as always, do check it out on pluggedin.com dot yeah. um, if you want to. Uh, know a little bit more from a family uh, entertainment perspective. And we'll uh, make sure that I, link is in the show notes. And the link will be in the show notes. Um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, there, it, I did want to uh, to bring up, a, um, we've been talking about dark times through this mm-hmm. movie. And uh, at the time of this recording, it has uh, been just about a day oh, yeah. since mm-hmm. uh, the most recent terror attacks in France. Uh, mm-hmm. A coordinated series of bombings and shootings that has, uh, at my last uh, reckoning, has left 126 dead with over uh, 300 wounded. Mm. And, yeah, it's uh, tragic. Our hearts and prayers are with uh, Paris um, right now. And also, uh, there was a, one American killed mm-hmm. and... Um, we've, we've heard, uh, I think from a lot of Americans living in Paris, uh, that were involved in it and we were, we're uh, grateful. Uh, we will continue, of course, to keep them in our prayers as they, uh, face their recovery and their loss. And we encourage our listeners to do the same. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. It um, does. Thank, thank you so, again for listening. Um, we, uh, hope that you've enjoyed this and that you will consider supporting, uh, the podcast uh, w- by going to our Patreon uh, campaign. You can also connect with us on Facebook and our show notes for this episode will be at areyoujustwatching.com slash 53. You can also call us at 903-231-2221 and leave us a voicemail for feedback. You can email us at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. Uh, do come and, and get involved on Facebook. We trying to post there more often just to kind of create a presence um and once again support us on patreon Mm. we really really need your support 
even just at this point, I would be happy to see just a couple people sign up uh, just just to let us know you're out there and that you want us to keep doing this. Um, but we would we our goal is forty dollars a month. Um, we've had over two hundred downloads on our last episode. Um, so that should be very easy to obtain is forty dollars a month. So please do consider giving a little. Um, towards keeping us going. We would certainly appreciate it. And thank you again for listening. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.